Welcome to the If These Walls Could Talk podcast. I am your host, Rachel Usher. I'm an accomplished interior designer and solopreneur, having built my own design practice from nothing into an award-winning and published studio. During my own design journey, I have found the business side of interiors to be secretive and largely conducted from behind the curtain, leaving business owners like myself grappling with the unique complexities of running a design business and often having to learn many things through trial and error. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be that way. This show is designed for design professionals, and together with our guests, we demystify the business of interiors. This is the place where we hear from the personal experiences of some of the most talented people that work within the design industry. From entrepreneurs to business experts, together we unravel some of those truth tales about what it really means to not only survive, but to thrive in the creative world of business. Today we're going to be talking about paint. I'm actually interviewing Rob Green today, who is one of the co-founders of Coat Paints. Coat Paints was established at the beginning of the COVID um, era, about three years ago, and I started to become aware of this as an alternative challenger brand to some of the other premium paint brands that were in the industry, and it caught my eye. And over the last year or two, it has taken the digital space um, quite significantly. And it's a really interesting story, and the journey that Rob and his co-founder, also called Rob, um, have taken is an inspiring one, but actually fundamentally it's one that probably speaks to our values um, more than anything. Hi, Rob. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast this morning. Hi, Rachel. Lovely to see you. No problem at all. It's great to be okay, here. Okay. So first of all, just to um, set the scene for the listeners, really, I have... As an interior designer, I have been specifying paint for well over a decade. Um, And the industry has been dominated in the luxury sector by kind of two main players. And so I first became aware of coat paints, um, possibly about two years ago. Um, And since then, I've seen this almighty rise of this new product. And when I was at Decorex last October... Um, mm-hmm. I went to your stand and I spoke to some of your colleagues and found out a little bit more about your products. And I thought, this is a really, really interesting story. Um, and hence, I wanted to reach out to you because there is such an amazing journey. And so really, it's kind of over to you. Please just introduce yourself and take us back to the beginning of who you are and where you came from, really, to get where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so... My name's Rob Green. I'm the COO at Coat Paints for Titles. Um, there's two of us in the, in the in the founding team, both called Rob, which makes it really simple. Um, so we um, we started Coat. It's coming up to the end of our sort of third financial year now. So it's really right at the start of lockdown one, if you can remember, remember back to that. Seems yes. like an awful long time ago. Um, but it, it spawned out of a really a need to create a new experience for paint buying and decorating um so just a bit of bit of background rob and i were uh, we've been close friends for 15 odd years now we started as interns at, at bmw in the in the product team you know washing cars and and and, and learning about sort of premium premium luxury luxury brands and, and think, thinking it was a real job back then but it was um it, it was a great experience to start with and so as i said remained friends ever since and over the years, you sort of have sort of mad business ideas and, you know, chats in the pub about what, what you could do. And um, Rob, uh, the other Rob, went through various different corporate roles and, and, and around marketing and, and, and growth, brand building in particular. And, and I was more into physical products. So I worked at uh, 
um, 3M and a couple of other American corporates before uh, landing in Sherwin-Williams, big American paint company. Um, so they were um, really interesting times leading a product team across Europe and learning all about paint and the coatings industry and the way that sort of the, the, the current retail model model works. And at the same time, Rob and I were, this is sort of like six years ago now, we were both getting our first homes and decorating and didn't really love the experience, um, didn't feel that there was a brand that resonated with us, um, the back and forward to, to B&Q or the like and um, grabbing our test to put some paint in them out and, and the mess and yeah it didn't really didn't really resonate with us in a world that was changing and, and going online and you can have a lot more convenience and at the time we we really needed that you know young families and things so that's where cope was then spawned so yeah as I said just the start of lockdown one we really came together and, and um, with a group of our friends and family um, were able to to start the business and build uh, a, a different customer journey and customer experience which is based on as i said the convenience factor of being able to to try and test color quickly so we developed a peel and stick swatch sampling method which allows you to try it on the wall um, rather than having the the waste of tester pots so it's 95 percent less waste but just really easy and allows you to ch- check the color in different light and then you can obviously buy the paint then direct from us and it's delivered next working day all made fresh to order which is really important so our, our our back of house and the way that we built the business was really with a priority to to be as sustainable as possible and to to not make anything that, that could be waste so we only produce when when our, our customers and clients want something that's really unusual isn't it for a paint company to be able to be agile enough to mix paint and have it delivered so so quickly for a, a really nationwide consumer market why was there such an intention to do it that way in, instead of holding any stock so the i think the classic retail model a lot of people would have shopped with and i certainly did when i first started painting was you could you know go into those big retailers you're, you're being huge in your home bases see what's on the shelf and you and you and you and you grab something and you have those trips backwards and forwards and you know you're hoping for the best um, that is a, a traditional model with an industry of chemical manufacturers that are, are making ready ready mixed product, selecting the colours for you in a way and pushing those down on onto the shelves. Um, so you've got a lot of waste there, and the paint industry has always had a bit of a challenge with with paint waste. Um, you know, fifty million litres a year that that is wasted unnecessarily. You know, the wrong colours and trends changing, and and retail stock not being pushed through, but also waste from consumers buying too much yeah. and being forced into the wrong things as well so there's there's it's twofold it's both production and also you know what what customers and clients do with the product afterwards if they if they bought too yeah, much yeah that's a lot that's a big number i didn't probably appreciate that the amount of waste in the paint industry was so vast and despite being a a, a professional paint stockist that is a significant number and also i know one of the things i used to have to deal with was um shelf life you know, if you do even sample pots, the shelf life, you know, they, they lasted about 10, 18 months at most. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the, the day, the when you're formulating a paint product, um, you want to use as, as few chemicals as possible, but you need a few of those additives to ensure that the product remains okay and stable, you know, gets to the customer and the client in, in mm-hmm. a fit state. 
because it's the bugs and the bacteria that get in with the air ingress that, that makes paint spoil and go bad. If you've ever had a really lumpy tin or it's gone solid, yeah. it's, it's the air and the ingress that gets to it. Um, so, yeah, the longer it stays on a retailer's shelf, the more of these, these additives that are needed. So having a fresher product just allows you to, to utilise less and generally um, a, a cleaner product, both for you, know, you personally and the, and the environment and your home. No, that's, I completely agree. I think that's um, it's quite fresh thinking. Um, but also storage of paint as a retailer is, is, a, is a problem. Okay, so going back to your original experience of going to the, the well-known big high street sheds and picking paint and and that experience of having to look at a, a board that had been painted on the wall that sat 10 feet above your head to try and work out if that was the right shade that would work in your living room at home. I, I take it you looked at that customer experience and thought this is kind of crazy, really, in terms of how, how we're doing this. Exactly. Yeah. We, so we experienced that as, as consumers yeah. and, and Coke was sort of born out of that, as well as me having sort of the, the industry experience with it. There was no appetite to change at that time. And so it really was born out of, I, I, as a customer, wanted a premium product that was curated that I could know and be confident in the colour palette fitting my style um, and all coat colours are generally quite muted, timeless, you know, go quite well with like mid-century. Um, so we really struggled to find that and it didn't resonate with the the old heritage brands, you know, posh paint, if you like, as, as, as in the classic term. You know, it didn't, didn't feel that just because you've got heritage, like what does that really mean mm. anymore? Like does it still have the sustainability base? Does it still have, you know, the, the current colours and the different thinking and the customer experience mm. that you want. So that was the gap, yeah. right? That was what we filled with with coat and that's what we wanted mm. to create and challenge the industry to push on, you know, and we found that, you know, industries like, you know, paint and some of the inter- different interior sectors need new blood and need new brands to to push the thinking and, and challenge them. Otherwise, they just stick to the classic retail mm. model. Oh, definitely. And, you know, you, you made an interesting point when we were chatting about your company um, earlier, was you'd seen so much radical change in other areas of the consumer market, like Uber Eats and being able to order a sofa that came to you the next day and those kind of things. And I think that that's a real insightful moment for you, to be honest, because it's not in, not alone actually in this. But actually, you're right. Access to the, to it from a consumer's point of view is very old school. Um, it's the same as we've Definitely. been doing it all my life, you know. Uh, so it's nice that you've brought such fresh thinking to how you access the consumer market. So considering your marketing, then. What is your route to market and your philosophy for bringing this new product, bearing in mind that we're quite entrenched in um, the way we've been doing this with our traditional brands? Um, how did you approach that and what's your uh, structure around your marketing? Yeah, so we're, we're in a small team. We're based in um, Farringdon, um, so Clerkenwell, um, and all of our paint is made and manufactured in, in Suffolk, so we've got the two sides. Um, our marketing focus and our, sort of our brand strategy is really sort of democratizing it a little bit, but it's, it's on that premium ease and convenience that I was talking about. So making sure that customers can see real life schemes that aren't just, just curated, but really start to understand how colors can work and be used. Uh, and we position that across all sort of digital media, to be honest with you. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of our 
customers and clients are seeing us on Instagram, um, of course, um, Google Paid. Um, and we do a lot of work with influencers and also design partners, as well as some of the, the core exhibitions, as you said, like Decorex, where we can really sort of physically showcase the product as well. I feel that although we're you know, born as a digital brand, like having the physical presence, particularly for our trade interior design and architect clients is important. So we should also have a, a, a team of three that support you know, that particular part of our business. And that's really sort of account management, specification support, um, color support as well. Um, really just to help you and your teams um, specify the right you know product finish and the right amount as yeah. well so that there is no wastage and and and, and help that journey because you know why shouldn't you as an in- interior designer have the same super speedy consumer experience so you know we can get product to site just as quickly um, as I said all made all made fresh and ready to go and do you have batch control issues with that um, making ready to go? at all no not at all no so it goes through the same batch control methods really as 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 a ready mix product would be mm. so you're 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 batch controlling uh, all, all the way through uh, and then you've got check and balances on your machinery and also on the, the product that's going out the end okay yeah um, so yeah, there's there's never a, an issue with from that perspective i mean with paint you know, we could talk a little bit around the the ingredients you want you really when you're paying for a premium product, you're getting premium ingredients in it. Sounds sounds obvious, but um, a lot of people go, "Well, paint is just you know just yeah a bit of liquid that lives on lives on your walls." Yeah. But really, you do get what you pay for. And when you're talking about consistency and batch control, when you've got when you're paying for premium grade raw materials and they're you know, the same particular size and they're coming from the same suppliers and they're being treated in the same manner and they've got you know they've got better fundamental properties you get a better finish out the back end and that's why you know having direct model allows us to continue to maintain that high quality rather than having to sacrifice anything through say like a, a retail model where you know, margins margins are squeezed and it's just a price down game that's not really what we're interested in we want customers to have a great experience painting with a great opacity know two coats max and high durability and enjoy that and be advocates for it yeah and you mentioned advocates so thinking about the the new way in which we um immerse ourselves digitally into into marketing um and you mentioned that you work with influencers and that you want to see your paint in real spaces i think that's really it connects doesn't it it connects with the end user that you can you can see that this isn't a staged you know, we have a red skirting board with a red wall and, you know, that's not real. It's not how we would potentially paint in real life. And that's what some of the more traditional marketing strategies of paint companies across the board have been. Yeah, 100%. We, you know, back in the day, as I said, when we used to work for big corporates, you spend a fortune on, you know, staged setups and you'd go through that, that process of like in a studio, shooting all this sort of stuff. All our content's from our customers. <laughs> Our customers are brilliant. They've got such amazing schemes and creativity and styles. Both on the the trade side, we've got some beautiful interior design like case studies. Um, but a lot of it is just customers that are then using our product and then cycling cycling the content back to us, which is which is just amazing. And then we just to share it because, like as I said, people don't want to see a polished 
brochure finish. Yeah. They want to see real life people, real life yeah. homes and the environment that they create and what that, what that looks like. And there's an authenticity behind it, isn't there? Because you are seeing a person in a space and it, it's so much more relatable. And I know that uh, you used a word when we were talking in our discovery call that is a word that I use in my kind of copywriting quite often. And that's kind of the emotional connection because we are talking about our homes and this is where we live. And it's the one place that we are most grounded and most connected and having an emotional connection to where we treat our homes and what we put into it has such a pull, you know, um, it's quite anchor, isn't it? Totally. We've, we've recently done a lot of um, one-to-one customer research, just literally calling and speaking to customers. Um, and it's amazing to hear their journey of color choice and why they're going through the project and ultimately the feeling off the back end mm. of it that is just joy of, you know, having that little bit of luxury, enjoying the experience where a lot of people, you know, previously said oh, decorating's a pain or I haven't enjoyed that, you know, with, with turning people and changing behaviors and then they're getting themselves a great space that they love at the mm. end of it, Yeah, which is is why we started it, which is what we what we wanted when we originally customers. Yeah, exactly. And earlier on, you touched on the fact that it's a different proposition approaching the market in this way compared to retailing paint, and not talking about particularly about posh paints, as 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 you said, but about the squeeze on margins that brands have to deliver if they go into the retail model but clearly there's a marketing decision there there's a commercial decision there in terms of you know if you go into the retail model then this is volume and there could be some significant company growth that route is there a particular reason that you said no was sticking to direct to consumer so as a, as a as a premium brand, we understand that we're not going to appeal to everyone. We need to stay in our lane and we want to stay true to having one level of premium quality product. So if you're in the retailer on the shelves, you know, you're sharing margin, you know, you've got to, you've got to pay for, you know, the staff and the structure and the warehouse of that store. So naturally, you're going to have to change something in 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 the product cost to to support that to make sure that you know both businesses are sharing margin so that's that's not a model that that we wanted to go down we want to stay true to ourselves and in the premium space you know support the customers that that want that sort of proposition and product there there are obviously plenty of customers and mass market that you know are not are not interested as much in the, in their interiors and they just you know they just want something on the mm. wall and that's great they just want to you know freshen up and that's fine um but customers that we're resonating with are, are taking more care and really want to just create that super interesting space and that's where we're there to support mm. them and you mentioned the customers that you're resonating with do you see your demographic of customer as a different customer to the pre-existing large segment of the market that posh paint. Um, yeah, slightly young. So yeah, if you're if we're looking just the posh posh paint category, um, slightly slightly younger, but interested in um, the sustainability piece, interested in change, looking to try new a new color palette. Um, most of our customers have decorated before, so either you know, premium paint customers or 
you know, or have been through the retailers and are looking for something different, you know, and have found us online and some inspiration. Yeah, I'd say for the most part, um, we, we, we do quite well in, in, in urban. So a lot of Victorian terrace, mm. those sort of things. Um, but we have got you know, an amazing spread right, right across the UK. So it's certainly not just sort of young London centric. Mm. Um, we've got, you know, right, a real spread of customers. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that take on that because you're right. There is a, a different approach to things as you, you know, I'm, I'm based in the north and there is a lot of period and heritage properties in this particular region. And, you know, we've had planning applications for paint colours um, where we've had to work with planning offices and some of the traditional brands have endorsements from National Trust or English Heritage. And if a paint has got some of those credentials, you can usually work with Historic England or local planning authorities when you're trying to do properties in conservation areas or listed period buildings. Do you feel that there is a gap in Coates armour a little in that it doesn't have an endorsement or do you feel that that's actually a point of difference that is to your advantage? What we focused on to begin with was our B Corp certification and positive luxury certification which encompasses more than just the physical products. It's the way we operate as a business, the way we treat our employees and our suppliers and also our, our clients and customers uh, as, and, and, and social elements as well. So that was really important for us as a foundation of a new company. It sets our direction. Um, and then following that, we've spent a lot of time um, creating the data behind our EPDs for those that know them. So product declarations with the full life cycle analysis of, of the physical product. So that is important from a footprint perspective and the provenance of the product with ingredients coming from the UK rather than larger companies that would be shipping them from all around the world. So that is becoming increasingly important and that certification is is critical in that armory, particularly for our our trade clients that need that when they're pulling together a a programme. I think any other certification takes a long Mm -hmm. time and is super expensive so it is difficult for you know small independent businesses to to put time and money into it sometimes versus um you know some some of the bigger companies um but no it is important and and we have some interesting endorsements coming up um which will which would certainly support sort of some of the period properties and also some new new products in in the roadmap Mm. so i'd say watch this space interesting well i might come (laughs) on to that as one of my last three questions i'm interested so b corp sustainability badge that means that you're you know all the environmental credentials for life cycle of a product positive luxury that's a new term i haven't heard this one before is that part of b corp or is that a separate certification no so 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 B Corp, two separate companies, but yeah, definitely t- check out Positive Luxury. Similar ethos. So as a as a member of B Corp, it's part, it's a community of businesses that want to do better, and we want to encourage everyone to be there. Basically, it's a movement. Positive Luxury is for the premium product group, um, and going through a whole host of sustainability criteria around that. So two slightly different things. One just for um, premium product groups, but Generally, as I said, a lot of processes and data and information behind that, which means that you're making the right decision in every aspect of the business, whether it's, you know, the type of packaging we use, the type of supplier we work with, um, the type of carrier we use, it's, it, it has to be included in, in all of your decision making and even in our articles of association as a business. So um, it's, it's quite in, ingrained. I like that. 
it's very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It kind of runs through every thread and every fibre of your company. It does, yeah. And, and generally for, you know, there are, there are obviously studio, design studios that are now becoming B Corp mm. certified. If you can afford the time to go through it and you're interested in, in researching that, I'm more than happy to speak to anyone about mm. it, the process that we went through. But it is just a useful framework for your business in the way that you operate in all in all aspects and almost gives you that that tick list to really move move forward. I do think we were talking about this in our studio recently. I do think that there's been a huge change in the ease of designers being more socially responsible. You know, five years ago, it was quite difficult to find products that genuinely were sustainable. And if you think about designing whole space, there are hundreds of elements within a space and it's hard to track them all you know it's hard to know the origin of everything that you're putting in and there is also I think for some designers a challenge because theory design by its nature is luxury so that means that quite often we're working with people that can afford to make changes sooner than perhaps the average person and is there a an element of wastefulness is what I'm saying that as designers I think we need to think more about the life cycle of what we're putting in and we do talk about investing and you're investing in a product that that should be something that would last you for many many years and yes it might come at a higher price point but it's less disposable and you know I always use the Eames chair as my favorite example because you buy an Eames chair once in your life and it's an investment piece Um, and I think that as designers we should be more responsible about that and I think that the spotlight perhaps is going to turn on our industry a little bit to hold us a little bit more accountable. You mentioned that your B Corp status also, or it might be a positive luxury, so correct me if I'm wrong, also is about how you treat your staff. Can you talk me through what specific things you've put in place there to make sure you treat your staff accordingly? (laughs) Mm, Yeah, yeah, of course. No, so that's everything through... Um, our you know diversity and inclusion you know our hiring policies um, our um, bonus and reward schemes our training programs um, the workspace that they live in so I say live in because <laughs> they're in they're in the most of the time I mean working um, you know and our, fle- our flexibility policy I mean we've we, we've quite fortunate that we've got uh, a, re- a great team that are dedicated to building the brand and su- supporting the growth of coat um so and they're highly invested and re- rewarded for that um which is just lovely to to start and this is the first time i've run a business and you know you try to create create a culture of inclusion and, and trust um but really you want people to be solutions focused and and motivated to to, to move things yeah. forward and be be happy to you know to challenge and be agile and you know, make mistakes if it, it happens. But I think that's been the team for, around us for sure has been a massive part of our of our success and, and growth because we're all striving in the same direction and in the agility versus you know some of the old um, incumbents in the industry. Yeah, I, I, most of those principles I think are good good employer principles really. But it's nice to see that you actually advocate for them. Going back to the launch of Coat, you said it was launched pretty much at the beginning of the first lockdown and it was out of the gates based on family and friends supporting you. Yeah, yeah. At that time, had you had to go and sort of of do a 
Dragon's Den, den pitch to your auntie. How did that work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So literally, and literally, we were like, we're all stuck at home on Zoom, <laughs> and it was literally that we did. We did. Uh, we did the pitch deck, and we used. Uh, for some of you might might know it, it's SEIS, which is where you know, friends and family and others can can fund can put some initial funding in, and then they can get some of it um, back through their through their tax so it means the, the risk is a lot less and, it, and it's supposed to be a mechanism for new you know for startups and new businesses to be created so it helped us because it got us our first little unit which was in in Surrey and you know Rob, Rob and I were sat there you know creating our first orders and building the website and, and all the rest of it so um yeah it was you know from that from that small starting position um we, we built everything ourselves, you know, the whole user experience and, you know, everything, the products and the supply chain, the whole lot. And COVID, in a, in a strange way, obviously su- supported the growth rate because people were doing a lot of decorating. You know, people were at home and they were Instagramming and they were looking for things to do and and, and, and decorating and DIY had, had such a boom during that period. So gave us a little launch platform. Since then, we've had some investment and support to to keep the flywheel growing, really, um, which is great. Yeah. That's, what, that's why we're yeah, here today. It is, and you've moved premises. moved premises now. Where are you based now? Yeah, so we we were in Surrey, as I said. We're now in um, the teams in Clerkenwell, in not far from Farringdon in London, and then all of our paint is produced and made in in Suffolk. So, sort of the team split between the and two. And in Clerkenwell, is that premise like, like open to the public, or is that just an just an office not not open to the public but certainly open to um our trade clients for sure so yeah we have um a, a workspace um we invite our clients in and we obviously usually take part in Clarkmore design week and uh, most of the main uh, interior mm-hmm. exhibitions um so yeah always welcome trade clients and um it's, it's a great space that we can use to to, to showcase and when you launched copaint the timing of the pandemic was just a coincidence that actually worked to this particular section of the industry but did you anticipate the speed of growth that you have seen because you have gone from an acorn to a big player in the industry in <laughs> yeah. three years i mean it was always our hypothesis because it felt like a gaping hole and you know and you just try and prove that so yeah we're so chuffed with what we've managed to get what we've managed to create and the growth that we've we've gone through now, it's a roller coaster the whole way along, of course, as anyone who runs a business. Mm. You know, you get things come out of the woodwork all the time. But yeah, we always knew the opportunity was there. So it's just great to be able to realize mm. it and 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 move forward at at a pace which is manageable and, and enabled us to scale. But um yeah, is is just a really strong trajectory. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's really remarkable that the speed of change um that a new challenger brand can can bring can bring to the industry and the speed of growth that you have to keep up with. You've mentioned that it was the first time that you've ever run a business. What have been some of the big challenges that you've had to overcome as that first-time business owner? Oh gosh, I mean, it's the, it's the wearing multiple hats, yeah. isn't it, Rachel? You have to you have to do the same. But it's the the one minute you're having a HR discussion, the next minute you're you know, you're, you're you're putting an order on for something, the next minute you're making the teas mm. um yeah. it's it's i think that's like the skill set is is in being able to always like to be that chameleon to move between levels of 
um, you know, strategic thinking and budgeting and planning. And then the next minute you're in the weeds, like doing the doing, as well as surrounding yourself with team that's got the skills that you don't and you know being happy to support them and get things out of your brain and and pass it on to different people as you as you grow the business so um yeah I think just being able to traverse that and be able to 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 wear many hats is 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 crucial I think some of the biggest challenges were really with COVID was was none of it was face-to-face so we were literally doing you know built a business and even the supply chain the whole lot you know, vir- virtually, which is which is an amazing. Like when you look back now and you go, "Wow, well, it's mad that we, you know, some of our supplies and things we didn't meet for yeah. like two years." Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. crazy. But that's just the way it was. The way of the world, and actually, it means that again, you you know, the, we're sort of leaner and more more agile mm-hmm. for it. And uh, the most memorable thing that we that we did ever have, I do remember, was was maybe it was like when our definitely in our first sort of six months of trading, we had one of our biggest paint orders. Um, we went through the production and it was delivered it was delivered to side of the road um uh, by by rob's house rather than to our facility in surrey um so that was a, an absolute like catastrophe when we've got customer orders waiting but they're the sort of things that you just go do you know what you just suck it up and yeah. deal with it and you know we'd we'd sort it out and we'd we'd, we'd moved it on but you get all of these weird and wonderful challenges along yeah. the way and it's just about being being resilient yeah, and creative yeah. yeah definitely i've had a similar delivery not paint but a significant <laughs> amount of furniture delivered to um oh gosh it's always great house. yeah when that turn, turns up <laughs> yeah. at yeah, the, the yeah and um, some showroom sofas that arrived on the wrong day to our showroom when we had it in the rain and i just had a, a saturday girl working <laughs> and they left oh, them at no. the side of the road yeah, yeah yeah okay that's great so you are working in the same space as our our community you know we're serving the same clients and I know that you do offer a trade program and Mm -hmm. as a designer talk me through a service you can offer me and how I would work with coat and you know the kind of model that you offer so that we can access your pain in a way that is advantageous for us and our clients really yeah for sure so we so we call it the Coat Collective. We've got it's a program specifically for in, interior interior designers that that are specking or buying on behalf of an end, an end client, um, and really it's there to give full account management and support um, as well as trade specific discount and service. So uh, in, inclusive of you know getting our our, our colours, um, our consultancy, um, um, specification support. As well as like the ne- the next day service fundamentally on on the site, um, so we, I you know encourage anyone that is listening to to head onto our website. If you cl- if you click trade, you can you can fill out our sign up form, and I'm sure we can share share the link. Yeah, um, and then we can we can contact you and discuss your requirements. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're really there, sort of customer service first, which I haven't really spoken about, but it's important on on both sides of the business, both both for our, our trade clients and also for our general sort of DIY consumers but we've we put a lot of time and effort into upskilling a team there that's you know, pretty much seven seven days a week to support um, programs and, and our direct to interior design business um, is is just going great guns um, so we've got some fantastic projects we've got some wonderful partnerships and some of the the programs that we're doing and we're 
um, specifying, you know, going through at the moment are are incredible right across the UK. So yeah, we love we love that, and we would we would love to su- to support mm. you. So we will put your link to your co- um, collective in the in the show notes. So as a designer like myself, I have a studio, I have a library of samples. How do I work with your paints in terms of um, scheming? Talk me through that. Yes, so we would um, support you with our peeling stick samples. So, sim, I guess if you if you're using like brush out mm. boards and things, you'd operate in a similar way. So, you'd use our peeling stick samples, which is the real paint applied onto there um, when you're mood boarding or showcasing to clients. Uh, and then you have uh, a, an account on our website, um, or you've got contact details for our customer service team, and you can place place an order either way. And discount level depends on the amount that you're spending with us in the year, and the but the service level and the support is is, is the same. And in terms of getting product out to site next day, then that, that's not a problem. We also can support you if your contractor is buying the paint or or needs to procure it in a different way. That's not a problem. Uh, and the team will also be there to to help with any documentation or if we're talking about the EPDs earlier and, and data and uh, and product selection um, that's not a problem at all but we're trying to make it as easy and automated as possible so by giving you all of the the colors that you can then see and scheme with and get comfortable with that's the most important first step um, and then really just encourage you to to test you know test the product in 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 a project you know we have some of the hardiest decorators that have used the same product mm-hmm. for 30 years that have come back and said well that really changed my oh, mind great. you know it's not just not just instagram paint it's 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 a premium product that's been developed properly that very strong advocates of as well yeah. um so it's the independent reviews and like i said the advocacy again that like builds it all I, up i do always value the opinion of a decorator the the person that's applying the paint to the surface you know because they're the ones that have to endorse the quality of their own work so if decorators are behind it that is that is great in terms of your paint then and i know the answer but i'm going to ask it anyway vocs and child safe is it all child safe yeah so all all child safe which is en 71-3 for anyone that (laughs) likes to get technical on that it's um tested uh so the the all of our finishes are tested for that which is um which is an ingestion test um but then they're all obviously all low odor no um low voc minimal voc um, all water-based in our range um, and we have moving from our, our most popular durable flat mat which is a two percent we have a soft sheen which is um, ideal for high traffic yeah. or for humid environments uh, an 18 percent sheen and we have a, an interior wood metal eggshell product and, a, and an eggshell floor paint as well for any more difficult wood surfaces, mm. um, doors, architraves, skirting boards, floors, that sort of thing. And your primers, do they? Do you have one primer for your... We yeah. just have one primer, one universal primer. Um, we don't recommend in our paint system that you need undercoats. Um, to be honest with you, the opacities, we you know we focus on high opacity, so you don't need tinted undercoats or tinted primers or anything mm. like that. Um, we just recommend, as long as you've done the prep yes. and it's nice and clean, then... Two coats, job done. And you'll have a nice durable finish, all scrub class one. Great. That's that's really good to know. And the other thing is delivery costs for designers. So say I want to get some paint to my client tomorrow. 
um, is the cutoff time and what delivery costs am I looking at? Yeah, so if you if you order before one pm and if the order is over hundred pounds, then it's free and it'll be within the next day. We do then have um, you know pre ten thirty options if it's needs to get there super early and and if you've left it super late, <laughs> we can do that it as happens. well. Yeah. It does happen? It does. And it's a UK based company with entirely UK manufactured product. Do you have any ambitions to go wider than the UK? Yeah, we've we've been working in in Europe for the last twelve months. So we can support clients that have got um, you know, European base or projects out there. Um, but to be honest with you, there's so much headroom in the UK. We just wanna again go back to like staying in our lane. We just want to focus on continuing to offer a great service here and build it and yeah and it'll, it'll organically come you know we receive requests all the time from the us or from asia but just focusing on mm. on doing the right thing and doing it really well to yeah, start with principles and do you offer design practices that have a, a team maybe cpd opportunities yes that's a good point i totally forgot that we do we've got um a couple of different cpd programs that we can support whether that's around um technicalities of paint you know sustainability of paint also um color workshops mm-hmm. as well so um our trade account managers yes are regularly out should be out today as well um running those workshops with um various different studios mm-hmm. so Great. yeah more than happy to support yeah, that no, that's really good to know so i'm obviously going to move on to the kind of the big three questions really you were obviously quite young and you obviously had big ideas when you were quite young, but still, what would you go back and tell your younger self, knowing what you know now? Gosh. Um, Launch paint brand, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do, do it all again. I think maybe just, I think probably don't sweat the small stuff sometimes. Um, it's only paint. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Um so there, you know, you get so emotional and into it, and you obviously put so much effort into it. It's, it's you know, it's our, it's our be all and end all. But sometimes, if something doesn't quite go wrong, or you've got something that's quite stressful, I would just say to myself, like looking back now, same thing. It's only pain. Like it's, it's another day tomorrow. Just yeah. don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, <laughs> good advice. You know, sometimes I think we forget, don't we? There's bigger things happening in the world, but when it happens in yeah, your business. Totally. And I've got, I've got a young family as well. So trying to, you know, early days, it's always difficult to get that work-life balance. But I feel like sort of achieve, achieve that now. We've got a much better mix. You know, the team's a little bit, got a lot more maturity. And we're, you know, as I said, three years into our journey now. So making sure that I've got time, time yeah, for them as well. Yeah, that's important. And it's good that you've got sight on that. Because I think it's very easy to lose sight, lose sight of that, definitely. Um, what's been your greatest lesson in business? I think the biggest change actually was when we brought in a CFO. Mm. Um, so like the first time we were creating a, we had a, a, a financial expert, right? Um, so that really changed the way that we looked at the business and really helped us make it a lot uh, leaner mm. uh, and just being clearer on our our budgeting and our, you know, our margin management and everything else like that. So for me, that, that, you know, seeking that financial advice and investing in you know, either a person or a person's time 
to help you through that if that's not your wheelhouse that was for us like a a game changer Mm. and and has really helped support us and and stabilize the business when it you know it's difficult when you're when you're scaling to to keep track of everything no I think that's good advice and I think that applies across most businesses that it's not necessarily your lane of expertise but it is actually the most critical wheel of any business yeah I mean particularly for our our design clients when you know your your projects are are so long and you know staged payments and you know making sure you've got that 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 cash flow and it's all mapped out and managed properly with with some sensitivity in it just in case like just having having that Mm. rigor is um really really Mm. important no good advice I like that you've already alluded to this a little bit so what's next for coat paints (laughs) absolutely for us like in in 2024 it really is about you know with the with the great team that we've got just continuing the the growth world just continuing to provide a great service as as we scale we've just launched 14 new colors um so we're quite agile with our with our palette we obviously get a lot of data Mm. back because we're we're direct so we understand what people are buying what's converting what the trends are doing focusing on our 14 colors with with some really exciting product partners as well that that are helping us promote and push that that is that is a core focus and we do have some new products coming along in in the roadmap Mm. um which i can't really talk about (laughs) yet but it's really exciting so keep a look out keep a look out keep a look out Uh, for it um so yeah new products new colors uh and just keeping the the customer experience what's not to love really i think everything that you've achieved is amazing and i love the fact that you're washing cars in b&q and you had this plan whilst having a beer in the pub because that's where all the best ideas come from (laughs) it is is. um rob thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story i think that you know, this is a, a really new inspirational brand and it's it's certainly caught my attention and I'm sure lots of other designers too. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Great to speak to you. Thank you. We shall see you soon. You know, as a designer and specifier, I have often found it challenging to be truly sustainable. The nature of what we do is it's luxury and it's very hard to be sustainable when delivering a luxury product. And it's really, really reassuring to know that brands like Coat are coming to the market and making our social responsibility a little bit easier in that we can access premium quality products that will provide our clients with a great experience, but also fit with our expectations of quality, the colour, the the content, the durability, all of those things actually matter to us are the things that we can't compromise on. But I do think that we need to be a little bit more accountable about decisions that we make in relation to the items that we're specifying. And also behind that, we've got actually two really energetic young men who have seen something that's outdated and they've made it better. But they've also applied really great credentials to it, the way they treat their staff, their B Corp status, their positive luxury certification, all of these things make it one of those brands, one of those products that is kind of got a feel-good factor about it. I think that they will continue to take significant chunks of the market share and I think there's a story to watch. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. I have loved having you here with me on the If These Walls Could Talk podcast. 
If you are a designer and would like to hear more conversations from other design professionals, from the kind of people who at one time or another have been right where you are, then I do hope you will follow the show and listen again in two weeks' time. I'll be right here, wherever you would usually find your podcasts. Just search for If These Walls Could Talk by The Business of Interiors. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, talk about sponsoring the show or work with me, please reach me at hello at thebusinessofinteriors.co.uk. Finally, it means a lot to the success of this show if you could follow, leave a review and share this program amongst your design community. This show is sponsored by Rachel Usher Interior Design. Thank you so much for joining me.